Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The fact that he's having to wait for three minutes is incidental. He should be getting more and more irritated, more and more annoyed, more and more determined to get across that ring and finish this fight off because this yeah. is the moment. This is the opportunity f***ing else that you've been yeah. put through. Welcome to Talk Boxing with Simon Jules and Spencer Oliver. This is episode 39, take two, because Pat forgot to push the sound button on the first 20 minutes, and me and Spencer are going to have to re-summon up the momentum, re-summon up the energy, but of course we'll manage to do that. Now, don't forget to keep liking and subscribing, keep watching the videos, but let's go again, Spence. Let's do it let's again, Let's put Pat to the back of our minds. Listen, it's not the first time, by the way, but that's another story, Absolutely. it's another conversation. Good to have him back, isn't it? Yeah, no Pat liability, is welcome no. back, my yeah. friend, welcome back. Um, and do you hear this nonsense, by the way, just before he's we get into I'm overtired. Mm. Let's, let's move on. Let's move it's on. It's because he's got it's one best. of those new balls that he exercises his mouth with. I think it's the, yeah. gimp, the gimp thing yeah, from yeah. Um, Pulp Fiction that he's talking I don't, about. I don't, a, think, a mouth exercise I don't think I know. Yeah. Anyway, another conversation. Anyway, look, where what we were talking about and what we start talking about was yes. obviously the circumstances surrounding... We've got a big fight coming up on the weekend. We'll talk about that in a moment. Yeah. But obviously the big story of the week has been Daniel Dubois at this moment in time failed attempt to go and wrestle away yes. uh, the free belts from Alexander Usyk and all the controversy that went on in Poland. I mean, uh, before we get to the circumstances of the fifth round where th- this discussion really uh, reverberates, I wanted to, you to evaluate Daniel's performance from the first bell to where we are on the ninth. Leave the fifth round out for the time being right. and just create a structure. So I'm going from first to at. ninth without the yeah. fifth, yeah? yeah? Right, so I'll go from before the first bell, getting into Daniel Dubois turning up in... Poland. How do you think he responded to the auditorium? That, that's exactly where when I'm we going. saw him because when we saw when I saw him fight Joe Joyce at the Mansion Club, yep. albeit it's behind closed doors, yep. I was very surprised that Daniel seemed to be very conscious. Maybe because there was no atmosphere in the space, yep. and there was, all there was was a group of people screaming from the top, which I think was his family. Yeah. Um, but he looked to me like he was phased by it. What was his reaction like to walking into the auditorium with forty three thousand? Partisan mm. Ukrainians celebrating Usyk, but also Ukraine's sure. Independence Day. His reaction was brilliant, actually, and his reaction in the week prior, it built up to it as well, was brilliant. You know, when he had done the open workouts, they put him on the mic, and what I saw from Daniel was a bit of emotion. Yeah. He looked a bit edgy, and I hadn't seen any of that before. And I went, I like that. I like what I was seeing. You know, normally he's very emotionless or whatnot. So I'm thinking, yeah, it's brilliant. But yeah, he carried himself really well, conducted himself 
Really well. He looked relaxing on the on the ring walk. On the ring walk, yeah, well, that's relaxed, right. Yeah. So we get to the ring walk. Bang! He comes in. This is where you can tell whether a fight's been won or lost. You look into the guy's eyes. You see if the nerves have got to him. You can go back to a fight that you attended actually, like when uh, Big Frank Bruno boxed Mike Tyson, mm. and you saw that ring walk. You just looked at him and, and you went, "He's done." Ninety-six. He's yeah. done. Yeah. There you go. So looking at Daniel, I thought, well, yeah, he's soaking this up well. Yeah, he's good to go. And I think yeah. he started well. Like first four rounds, you go, "Well, he hasn't he hasn't won around here." So how can you say he started well? Well, he was very competitive in those rounds, as in he was having his successes. And more importantly, they had a good game plan. The game plan was spot on from Don Giles and the team. And that game plan was to work the body of Alexander Usyk, punch the chest, work the body. And then we get into, obviously, the fifth round yeah. where... You know, but did he do that? I mean, the, I mean I think did, he did. Did, did you see enough of that being executed in the first four rounds? Because what I saw... Was Daniel Dubois not overawed, not overawed by the event? Yep. Not phased by it, but there was a golf in class, and Usyk was quicker, mm -hmm. uh, cleverer. He was everything we said he yeah. was before the fight. Yeah. Like you say, he controlled the space better. He was quicker. He was cleverer. Daniel Dubois had strength on his side, and yeah. he had a game plan. And that game plan was to, you know, slow him down to the down to the body, so that it would come down to his sort of level as in with, within the speed, etc. And he would be sitting in a pocket where then Daniel could get off of his big. Because a lot of people were ruminating on the fact that Daniel Dubois's best chance was to jump on Alexander Usyk yeah. from the first bell. Everything that Anthony Joshua didn't do right. was the prescription for Daniel Dubois, but I'm not entirely I, sure that he did that. I I'm going to tell you why he didn't do it, why he couldn't do it, right? So there was, when Usyk comes out, he Usyk comes out, he holds his hands out, he's out the South Pole stars, holds his hands out, and he keeps touching up and down and doing mm -hmm. whatever. He's very clever at that, and that makes the opponent a little bit wary yeah. and whatnot, and you think, in the early stages of a fight... But they'll know all that. No, they'll no, see no. all that. No, no, yeah, I know what that. I'm saying is that knowing it, and then when you're in there with the reality of, yeah. of doing it, like Anthony Joshua, in the early stages of a fight you're not warmed up enough to sort of roll the dice early. And I think as the rounds wear on, you all this, you're just going to go through that and you're going to start, you know, taking more chances, etc. So I understood the first rounds were going to be slightly more cagey, even though he wanted to put it on him a bit more, but more cagey. And as the rounds would wear on, second half of the fight, he would sit on him a little bit more if he had the stamina. Because that was another big point that we brought mm -hmm. up. Will Daniel run out of steam? Which effectively he seems to do yeah. in that ninth round. But yeah, I think the early rounds he was... He was doing enough. I mean, I would like to have seen him attacking the body a little bit more because when he did, Usyk looked very uncomfortable. Mm. He seemed to lose his composure a little bit from time to time. But the, the big problem was Usyk was controlling the pace of the fight. And Daniel, like you say, Simon... He Which was always to, going to be the thing though, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but he was always going to be the challenge. He needed to let a little bit more go. Then we obviously get into the ninth, uh, fifth round, yeah. the controversy surrounding yeah. the you know the body punch. Was it low? Was it not low? It was on the navel. It was on the waistband. Well, for people that haven't boxed before wouldn't understand. The waistband comes up just, I don't know, an inch or so above the belly button. Um, Usyk wears his shorts fairly high anyway. Um, so they, I think Don Charles in the rules meeting um, highlighted those concerns yeah. and asked the referee if he could have those pulled down anyway. Um, it's a bit of a strange... Um, rules meeting as well, wasn't it? Talking, the referee talking to yeah, Don about, was, yeah. you know, like yeah. um, be prepared for the crowd and the mm -hmm. environment and, the, and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. That was strange anyway. But yeah, I think that they were highlighting that thing because they obviously had this game plan about the body attacks and the shots that were going in on the waistline were landing. That was in the solar plexus. Anybody that thinks that was a low blow and it was up the bollocks or whatever, 
is totally wrong. Totally wrong because it was nowhere near there. It was in the solar plexus. But it's all about whether the referee had said waistband or above. Yeah, or waistband I mean, that, is it remains. Long. I mean, we had um, Don and D Don Charles and Daniel Dubois on a show earlier on where they spoke specifically and explicitly about the, the meeting that the referee had before the fight with mm -hmm. Daniel Dubois, where D Don had raised the point about how high sure. um, uh, Alexander Usyk wore his guard. Um, and there, I think one of the regrets that Don has, if he has any regrets besides the anger and frustration that the outcome that, that manifested itself are based upon what they consider what has been judged as a low blow, which in their minds was a conclusive blow, which yeah. damaged Usyk and probably should have got him counted out, was that they didn't make the point specifically mm -hmm. that if he punches him on the belt, that is not a low blow. And the reasons why I say that is because what we're beginning to understand, and more so um, as a result of people drawing comparisons over the weekend, is the subjectivity of a referee. Yes. Because you've got another fight, another heavyweight fight, on top ranks, Bill, over the weekend between Jared Anderson, Jared Anderson and Rodenko, yeah. where yeah. repeatedly Jared Anderson hits Rodenko in the exact place that um, Alexander Usyk was hit by Daniel Dubois, but the fighter doesn't ref doesn't reflect any of the the, the the reaction to it that Usyk did. But more importantly, yeah. the referee doesn't consider it a low blow. He didn't look at it at all. And, and listen, that's what I'm saying. Speaking as a fighter who's been hit there many times before. Usyk's reaction to that with the way his body language when he went down was not like he'd been hit up the balls, basically. It was yeah. not the reactions weren't the same or whatever. He'd clearly been hurt, but used his experience, Simon, to buy the to time. Take, to buy the time. But Carl Froch said something, because I mean, what I'm always more prone to listen to is the fighters. Carl Frampton instantaneously said, as the as the fight was unfolding in front of him, as that incident happened, as Daniel Dubois landed that punch and Usyk went down, that's not a low blow. Instantaneously, he then he then doubled down on it when he was get able to see the replays during the break. You've heard Johnny Nelson talk about the fact that it wasn't a low blow. You said it wasn't a low blow, yeah. but you've got Carl Froch saying categorically it was a low blow, and that the reaction of Usyk. What happens when you get a low blow is it normally takes about five or six seconds for you to react to it. A bit like I suppose the um, uh, the kid that fought uh, Tank Davis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Ryan Garcia. Ryan Garcia, yeah. where he took a second and delayed and then went down now, on the knee. Was, but that was a body shot. What we're talking about here is... Same the thing low, though, Yeah, no, the low blow. If you get someone in a solo plexus, yeah, you're going to win them, Yeah, abso you? absolutely, yeah. yeah. But when you get hit there like that, that's that's not five or six seconds. He's way out with that. It might be a second delay. All right, two okay, seconds. maybe, I'm, maybe, two my, seconds. maybe I'm paraphrasing, but the, we, no, we didn't yeah. see that with Usyk. What his point no, was... Usyk's went, Usyk's Usyk went down. down like a sack of potatoes. Yeah, but that was nothing... Which, which is, the, is to intimate that he's been hit somewhere else. That was Carl's point. Yeah, but Usyk's, Usyk was hurt off that. Yeah, but you, you, know, you know where... But, but so I mean, was, so was Ryan Garcia hurt, but he took, yeah, but say, say he took two shot. seconds for it to register and went down. What, what, what was what, your thoughts on where that shot landed itself? Do you think that that <coughs> was in the box or do you believe that was in the stomach? No, I think it was in the stomach. It was in the stomach? I thought it was in so the stomach. So Frotchie's way out with that one. Like, and I think no, like I'm, I'm, I'm making well. a balanced argument because on one hand I'm saying to you that you as a fighter yeah. called it in a certain way. Carl Frampton as a fighter called it yeah. in a certain way. Johnny Nelson, obviously Frank Warren and the Dubois camp yeah. are going to call it from a certain point of view. And, and, and then you've got other voices like Carl Froch mm -hmm. saying that, hang on a second, this is, I, don't, I do think it was a, a low blow. Um, and obviously the rules are, are quite clear that if it's below the navel, yeah. it's a low blow. Sure. 
Um, now, Don Charles said in that rules meeting, by the way, that, that he said waistband and above was acceptable. Just saying. Yeah, I, I, I've seen the audio. I'm, yeah. I'm not entirely sure that that was caught on the audio that we've got Maybe in terms not. of because what Donna said to him was because the referee was giving some strange little soliloquy, Very Daniel strange. Dubois, about how he mustn't react to the auditorium, how he knows that there's 43,000 people in there, but Daniel must focus on the, the instructions of his corner, not bail out. And I think to myself, well, why are you giving this coach? doesn't need that. That's Don Charles's job. <laughs> exactly. And at that time, Don interceded and said, I want to make a point mm -hmm. about how high um, Alexander Usyk yeah. wears his you know, where's his box, his yeah. cup, yeah, and yeah. how how high his guard is in that respect. And, yeah. and and that point was kind of made, but not, there wasn't this huge acceptance from sure. the referee. So there wasn't this sort of um, uh, a three-line whip of, if he punches him on the belt, I want it registered that that's yeah, not sure. a low blow. That wasn't said. Sure. And I think Don thinks, given that they, they, they had this concern that Usyk would be that way, because yeah. given the fact they targeted this particular part of his anatomy, they were going to spend time, plan, yeah. that they probably needed to have been a little bit more solidity around saying it. But the, the next question is, we move on from the fact that the balance of people, the people that don't want Daniel Dubois to win or think yeah. that he wasn't good enough or people that think Frank Warren is whatever he is, will, will say explicitly that Daniel Dubois... It was a low blow, and that's the end of the discussion. Mm -hmm. But everything about the decision-making process from the referee seems to be conflicted because if he believes it's a low blow, then he needs to be able to give Alexander Usyk five minutes. Well, this is right. what he effectively done. And he, didn't, it, and he didn't want to give him five he minutes. He said it was an accident. His, his official line was it was an accidental low blow. But and he called it, but, that at the but time. But that's irrelevant. If it's, a low, at, if it's yeah. a low blow, yeah. the fighter's that, allowed to have was, five minutes. He said it was an accidental low blow, but this is, he's sort of contradicting himself because he says it's an accidental low blow, but on the other hand, he said waistband is acceptable. Yeah, but, he, but at the time, which is the thing, what he says afterwards is relatively incidental. What he, said, what he did at the time is the most prevalent thing. Yeah. He waved it away, which means he wasn't counting it, yeah. and he indicated that he was going to give him a prerequisite amount of time to recover, mm -hmm. From a circumstance which can only be a low blow, yeah. which means that he's entitled to have five minutes. Yes, and he didn't want to give him five minutes. He wanted to get him up and ready to fight after he three minutes. He started getting bored after yeah. three minutes thirty-nine well, seconds. Well, I mean, you could argue then that, <laughs> that ultimately that, that, that Usyk could have kicked up rough and said, "I want some more time." Well, Usyk actually said, and I think it was on seconds out or somewhere like that. He actually said after the fight, had the referee made the decision to say, got up. "About mate, get up off the floor," mm. he would have got up. And there's the point, and I think that's the opportunity that maybe have gone. But you as a fighter know that getting getting punched in that position and hurt that way is as bad as getting buzzed. I would have stayed there if it was on the position. Yeah. He's done. It's not down to him. Yeah. He's done the right thing in doing that. But I think what the, what the frustrations from the Dubois camp are and from the whole team are is the referees made the wrong decision there. He should have dragged him off the floor. My kid has now lost his flow. He's lost his momentum. Yeah. The adrenaline's gone from a rocket rocket up high. And gone back down again, and he's missed his opportunity. Well, well, that's the question. And that's part I, of his experience. That's as well. the question I want to ask you, um, because we spoke to to Don Giles, and it's very difficult to put it to him quite as bluntly as I wanted to. And, yeah. I, and, and obviously Daniel Dubois sat there, but I asked him. You've you've said that the 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 low blow, the way that it was handled, or the fact that it wasn't a low blow in your view, and I think in our view, yeah, it's very much the same. The fact that he's standing there for three and a half minutes has lost. His momentum, and I, I I'm struggling with that ideal. I'm, I'm with you, Simon. Because I said, and I said it to him in, in, in another show. I said to him, if I'm if I'm thinking of another fighter, and I know it's Daniel sat here and looking across the room at me, but if I'm sat there thinking of Deontay Wilder, 
and he and 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 he's had a situation like this. Yeah. I don't think that anything else, anything other than Deontay Wilder come flying across the ring mm. like a man possessed, throwing bombs, would have happened. I'm with you, and I don't understand. You have to you have to bow to their knowledge, but there's something in the makeup of Daniel that wasn't right to go and execute there because Usyk was hurt. He was in trouble, and after about 40 seconds of getting back into the fight... He didn't look comfortable. He, 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 didn't, he didn't look comfortable about 40 yeah, seconds. Absolutely. And then he, then he bit down the gum shield and got himself through it. He used his experience and he and he, he adjusted because that's mm. why he's such a great champion. He's got that adaptability. And I think the opportunity was there within that. Forget that he'd been on the floor three and a half minutes. You're going, I'm in his corner. I'm looking at him. I'm going to go, go for it. Throw the kitchen sink at him. Everything you've got. Target that area. He's uncomfortable. And he was uncomfortable for 40 seconds. Daniel missed the opportunity because he didn't go. Is that, he didn't. He didn't jump on it enough. Is that inexperience or I is that a lack of killer instincts? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's inexperience. I think is it, it? I think the killer instincts there, but I think that was just lack of inexperience and him maybe standing there. Every fight is different. Like you know, we talk about Deontay Wilder there. If I'm standing there, I'm thinking I don't care if he's there ten minutes. I know that's where I'm at him. I'm not mm. sure Daniel's program like that. I think he went from an all-time high. And high, and he went back down again. He didn't attack the button. And when he did attack it, you could see that Usyk was uncomfortable. Mm. But I just think that he missed the opportunity. Inexperience, whatever that is. Don Charles said, look, we've only been working together for a few months. Give us another, you know, give us another few months. You'll see improvements. I did see improvements from previous fights with Daniel Dubois, but I also saw that the frustration of him missing that opportunity. And I think that, that after that fifth round, Usyk got through that. Sixth round, seventh round. I think Dubois had a good fight round in the seventh round. Yeah. And that's where he seemed to blow a gasket a little bit. But I think this is the concern. I think we have to bring up the ninth round and the, and, and the stoppage and the way well, it was Well, I just want to go back a second because we're talking about the validity of the argument being advanced, right? Yeah. And I want to give Daniel Dubois as many plus points as I possibly can. Yeah. And I want to give Don Charles as many plus points as I possibly can because I like both of them. Do you think but, that, that, that... But that, I don't understand. I don't... I've got a heavyweight world title, three belts on the line. Yeah. I've got a fighter that's clearly in pain, that's taken an inordinate amount of time to recover, so he's going to be uncomfortable. I've got a, 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 a supposed heavyweight champion in the waiting in Daniel Dubois. I've got an opportunity. I don't get it. Yeah, I get and I don't it. get Don's argument about the fact that the fact that he's having to wait for three minutes is incidental. He should be getting more and more irritated, more and more annoyed, more and more determined to get across that ring and finish this fight off because this yeah. is the moment. This is the opportunity. F else that you've been yeah. put through you know whether you think that's an injustice or whether 43,000 fans are not are, are not are not um supporting you it was never going to go his way was it over there anyway but that's the the point yeah. i'm making about your, your argument and about don's argument do you really believe because i think there's a missing link in daniel's makeup you're going to put it down to inexperience no i'm i'm i'm, I'm not going there i'm just saying inexperience played its part in that but the bit that, that you just touched on it there, and that's the bit that I want to go on as well about the missing link. Like that's the way the concern is with with the Joe Joyce fight, even against the Lorena fight. What we saw here on, in the ninth round and the way that he dramatically come undone. If we, we were sitting in the corner where they was after that eighth round, and he had a good seventh round and a good eighth round, Daniel. And this, at that point, we're commentating saying. He's starting to get into this now, although he's losing the rounds. Well, here, he got dropped in closer. the eighth. Yeah, I know, but he was yeah. getting yeah, but he's getting closer. But he got dropped in the eighth, and the. The conversation he had, a decent, Don, he had a decent seventh the round. Conversa conversation Don Charles had to have with him to get him back out after the eighth round. I mean, fair play to him because he really did. He installed that little bit of confidence that he needed again to get him up off the seat because, he, like you say, he went down in the eighth round. But it wasn't a concussive punch that he went. He just seemed to no. come apart of it. 
And the same happened in the ninth round. He was there. And it was a jab, effectively, wasn't it? It was a jab he yeah. got hit with. He went down one knee. On our show, on your show um, on Tuesday, because it was, it was going out Wednesday, on your show on Tuesday in the studio, I did ask him that question. I said, you know, Daniel, at that point, you know, they're the championship rounds. You have to bite down on your gumshoe then. Things get tough. Usyk knows that. He turned the screw, picked it up a gear, and Daniel come apart. Usyk wanted him out of there. Yeah, no. What but you could, what, what you what could see was a change. There was see. not a concussive punch or anything. Daniel chose to go down on the knee. And that's the point we're making. Yeah. We've gone past the stage now where there's a missing link in the desire to go across the yeah. ring in the fifth round. It's, it felt, do you know what it felt like for one second? Not the same. Yeah. It felt like when Frank Bruno hit Mike Tyson in 1989 yeah. and everybody went You've just, and I think Frank Bruno looked at him I've hurt Tyson and he needed to be natural yeah. going in with the next one and he didn't he paused and the, the fight was taken away from him there was that moment in time for Daniel Dubois in the fifth round where the opportunities there he didn't yeah. take it now we roll forward right and he has a good round in the seventh round yeah. and now you're into the eighth and, and, you, and you have a problem yeah, in the eighth round. Yeah, bad but round. in order to win a world title you're going to have to go to the places that Anthony Joshua went when he got knocked down by uh, by uh, Vladimir Klitschko. Vladimir Klitschko yeah. Right? Yeah. And other fighters in the past have oh. gone. You're going to have to go to the places that Muhammad Ali went with George Foreman where he was getting whacked for it's, seven rounds. It's called a dark place. Is, you've got to be prepared to go there. Are we seeing enough from Daniel to say... Because my first reaction, and I said it to him and you said it to him to some, to some extent on the show, we both said the same thing. I felt there was a tacit acceptance from him yeah. that I'm, I'm running out of gas. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not likely to win this fight from this position now, and I'm, I've got another day. There, you just touched on it. You just nailed it there when you said that it was the thing on the ninth round. He's had a bad eighth round. He comes out in the ninth round. He can feel Usyk's turning it up a little bit. He gets hit with a good shot, and he thinks I've got nothing left. I've run out of gas. I'm not hurt. I've run out of gas. And I think that was where it was. He could probably feel that he probably felt Usyk picking it up using that experience. There's a bit of an experience. Uh, there's a little bit of a lack of an experience what, there. Is this what champions are made of? That's what I'm saying. Well, this you're a fighter. I can I can say it, and people can turn around and say, "Well, you've never laced up a pair of gloves." Right. So are you right, asking you me have, where I'm I, prepared to go in that moment? Yeah. I'm prepared to go in that moment. I'll tell you where I'm prepared to go in that moment. I'm prepared to be nailed to that canvas. Or if you ain't nailing me out, I'm going to go and I'm going to do it like Cole Fox or anyone else. It was, it was, it was the fact that for me, I think that he could have continued in that situation. He said that he was looking at Don do Charles. Think, do you think by extension he quit then? He said he mistimed the count. He no, was no. looking at Don Charles. No, he didn't. No, he did. He didn't say he that. Did. He said not. He, he got up at nine. Yeah, which is he fine. He was blue a but gasket. Don, but Don, but Don, Don said to us, just so we were entirely accurate, that he was he was saying Daniel to wait. He was telling Daniel no, he to wait. Him up, right? right? But then he said, up. Yeah. Right? He but they came up. up on nine. And so the corner, and they're up on nine. That's fine. That's fine up on nine. In, but in, the referee decided that that was not fine and he waved if, him off. If a man gets up at nine, right, so the people are clear about this as well. If a man climbs up at nine, you've got more than more than a 50% chance the referee's going to stop the fight then. But probably there was no protest, was there? No, but probably a 70% chance if a man gets up at nine. What I'm saying is, but there was no he's protest. looking from four. He's focused there. Five, six, he, he's got to time this, right. Because he's being dragged up, up by Don. If you Don. get up at seven, the referee's going to let you carry on because the referee's yeah. going to go, are you all right? But the, reason, right? the reasons why he's got up on nine is because he's being dragged up by Don. Because, yeah, because Don's, Don's dragging him up. Don's that's dragging, that's Don's my point. And the point that they're both of them made in the in the interview, and again, we want we want the best for Daniel Dubois. We yeah, want him absolutely. to get the best outcomes, right? Um, but Don 
talked about the fact that the fighter got up and he was and he was he initially wanted to say this is another poor decision yeah, by the referee, yeah. but he then qualified by saying I couldn't see my fighter's eyes. Yeah. Right. I would suggest that a trainer is in touch with his fighter. And he yeah. knows his body language, right? So it doesn't necessarily always need mm. to see his eyes. But that maybe I may be wrong there. But neither one of them were. It, neither one of them were rabid in their protest. Yeah, sure. Neither one of them I went. Agree. There wasn't. I mean, it's a bit like Anthony Joshua when yeah. he was stopped. Oh, Ruiz. Yes, Ruiz. There was no particular yeah. protest. And what are you doing? None of that. There's none of that. Yeah, George Groves histrionics when yeah, Carl sure. Foch stopped him in the first uh, Foch Groves fight. It was like. Uh, okay then. Well, I think that's. That, I think that is because the fight had been knocked out of him at that stage. He'd, he'd yeah. done everything that he could, and I think. What do I take from the whole performance? What do I take from the whole performance? One, I think I can take that Daniel Dubois proved he stock rose. Daniel Dubois proved that he belongs on the world stage in world class because I think that's what we did see there. Don't think. Yeah, I think that he okay. he proved that he's a world class fighter. He belongs at, the, at that stage for me. This is what I'm taking, and the other bonus from uh, the only plus the other plus for this is. More experience at that level. He's only twenty-five years of age. He can definitely come again, but I think he com he's proved that he can compete. Do you think? At world do you level. think that? I mean, obviously Frank and 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 will go after an appeal and build a case. There's not a lot of precedence to be created for it because it's no. all about subjective referee decisions. And we've seen yeah. situations like when Buster Douglas was knocked down by Mike Tyson, and clearly they counted yeah, way too sure. long. They didn't sure. start counting till about six, sure. and they started when it was six. They started on one. So. Tyson would have had a case to suggest that, that that should have been a no contest. That wasn't overturned. Do you see this situation manifesting itself with all the money that's in the fight game, with the fact that you've got Tyson Fury, because I put it to Frank Warren, fighting next potentially against Usyk. <laughs> I'm glad you've done that. Are you looking right? after Daniel Hill or will it yeah. end up being Tyson Fury fighting Usyk? Do you see in your mind's eye, do you believe that it'll get a rematch? It's difficult because appeals that, you know, it's, it, it's a very difficult one because of the subjective surroundings about it was it low was it not low waist what do you deem waistband low or, un, or not low it's not because like, it's only for one of the belts I've got to be, I've got it'll to be, be only one of the, it'll be only one of the belts though won't it it's it'll be the WBA like, won't it's it it's not like when Andrew Galotta was boxing really bone hitting him right up the, yeah. up the <laughs> you know this is slightly different because like you say this is subjective so where would a appeal take I hope Frank does it I hope he does for Daniel for Daniel's for Daniel's sake I think I hope that he does do it um, and it's undisputed doesn't trump trump this fight mm. or this situation because that's where we're at right now. You know the value in this undisputed fight with Alexander Usyk now yep. and Tyson Fury. We'll have to see. It's going to be if, um, it's be if he were to get, and I think it's going to be difficult. Um, and I think they're going to have to work remarkably hard because I think there's lots of other yeah. forces at play here. But if he were to get a rematch, do you think that he could? Change the outcome. I think he's got the ability to be able to roll the dice more, and I think that he will have gained confidence from what he had last time. So I think when we were interviewing him in, in the studio and speaking to him afterwards, I think that Don Charles, the team, even him, Daniel Dubois, he, they, I think they knew that they should have. They missed an opportunity. They missed an opportunity. Is a better yeah. way of putting it. Yeah, yeah, they did. I think they, I think they knew yeah. that, and I think that because they know that. I think they can go back, work on that, and make it a better fight. I don't even think Don was talking about the mental state of what will happen to Daniel. And I said to Daniel, and you said it to him as well, this is not something you allow to mentally disadvantage you. This is something you use to galvanise you. You take this anger, this aggression, and you either take it out on Usyk if you yeah. get the rematch, or you take it out the next fella that's misfortunate enough yeah. to walk through the ropes against you. But you don't, you don't succumb to it. No. And I don't think Don Charles will allow that to be the case. But there is a lot of emotion. We spent a room in an hour with them. There's a lot of emotion, a lot of frustration, a lot of feeling of injustice, yeah. partisan decisions, partisan refereeing, poor decision-making processes, and opportunities that were missed. Absolutely. And I think yeah. that will be as equally frustrating, the opportunity that was missed, because they will know that Usyk, At everything, that moment, everything yeah. they wanted, 
Usyk was there for. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Anyway, look, let's move on. Let's move on to an event that's coming up this weekend, which has been a while in the making. Um, it's has got a whole raft of interesting and intrigue attached to it, which is obviously Liam Smith. Liam Smith now, getting billed first, versus Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah. Big fight, big undercard. Lots of interesting fighters on there. Young Adam Azim up there as well, who we both think yeah. is going to be a shoe-in for a world title. Fraser Clark, yeah. all the controversy yeah. that goes yeah. around Fraser Clark not having had certain fights made for him. Michaela Mayer. Lauren Michaela Price. Mayer, absolutely. Yeah. But this rematch, it comes with so many different moving parts, isn't it? You've got what was done to Chris Eubank Jr. in the first fight no one's been able to do to him previously and has the resistance in him gone. You've got Bomac coming into the equation who's one of the elite fighters or sorry, elite trainers in the game yeah. that made, I thought, made a mug of Derek Francis. Yeah. Uh, Derek James, isn't it? Derek, Derek James, James, sorry. Derek James, yeah. um, at the, um, at the uh, Bud Crawford right, and right, right. Uh, L Spence press conference. Um, albeit only for five weeks. Yeah. You've got Eubank, none of this nonsense about Kentucky Fried Chicken, 60% yeah. fit, knowing that this is the moment in time. This is a fascinating fight. It is. It's a and, fascinating and, fight. And do you know why it's so fascinating? Because normally when you have rematches and a fight has been as conclusive as the first one. It was, goes the same way. You go, there's nothing to talk about. You know, it's one of those. And I actually said that if the rematch happens at the time, if the rematch happens, it was so conclusive. I don't think there's any value in it. Now we've got here and we got closer and all the moving parts and changing parts of it, all Bomac's a big, a big mm -hmm. part of that. Eubank knowing that actually... I've got no idea. He's, he's, he's mentioned afterwards, well, there is still places to go. We, we know where that yeah. place is. We know exactly where that place is, like everyone else does. But we're talking about his boxing career here. Yeah. It is on the line. But and it, I think he's taking it seriously. Do I think he can make those adjustments and, and implement what, implement what mm. Bomac's going to do in time? I'm not sure, mate. I think you can only, you could not go against Liam Smith right now on going off the did last Did you pick, fight. I can't remember, but did you pick. Liam Smith to win yeah. the first fight, or did you pick Eubank? I did. No, and what, I was, I, and I what made you pick ones. him first time rounds? I just felt it was an all-round better fighter. I thought it was going to be a close fight. I said a tough fight. Mm. It was going to go down to the wire. But I just, I just leaned towards Liam Smith because for them reasons. But you never saw. It was better all round. And, and I was in the same never space. Never saw that. Yeah. Never saw that. You never saw the punch resistance of Chris Eubank be as susceptible yeah. to what he. What I he, thought it would be the work rate of Liam Smith over the twelve yeah. rounds that would edge and it out. And the quality of his work, yeah. Because Eubank likes to. A boxing pockets where he's yeah. explosive and he Liam Smith wouldn't let him do that off. and Liam Smith wouldn't allow him yeah. to do that and I think that's where he made the mistake Eubank but we're going to we, we, the big question now is is ultimately because we've seen you, Chris Eubank Jr not have this challenge that he's had before he's been beaten before by Billy Joe Saunders mm -hmm. he's been beaten before by a heavy handed George Groves who hits yeah. much harder than Liam Smith does right excuse me and so what we saw was something quite unique which a lot of us put down to weight drain yeah, and the fact that he'd been in two fight camps um, and the disadvantages of, of that scenario, preparing for Conor Ben, trying to get down to 157. Yeah. Now, I don't know what that's going to play out on Friday, whether he's going to make weight or there's going to be those sort of challenges because if they don't, 
There'll be debate on Friday about weight Absolutely. causes. Absolutely. But that's a, that's a valid point for Friday, by the way. Be interesting to I'm watch really that space. I'm really interested to see the yeah. weighing and who hits weight and who I got doesn't. A sneak, hit I got weight, a sneaking suspicion there might be some challenges there. Yeah. We'll see, we'll see. But what does Eubank Junior do differently? It's probably evident what Liam Smith needs to do, which is more of the same, right? Because he, 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 he yeah. hasn't got to, he hasn't got to fix it. But he's potentially going to be fighting a different version of Chris Eubank Junior. That different version of Chris Eubank Junior is what? That he's got to stay switched on. This is plain and simple. This because like you're not going to change what he is now. You make Junior and the way that he boxes. Liam Smith's not going to change his game in the way that he boxes. Likes to work up close. Likes to he likes to overwhelm opponents. What we're going to get from Eubank Junior is he needs to stay switched on for three minutes of each round because if he switches off for one second, he's fighting a fighter that is a world class fighter. But has he ever done that during his career? Because the argument would be that he hasn't. Uh, well. Yeah, here's one for you. George Groves, when he boxed George Groves, he was having his moments in there, but George just overwhelmed him yeah. and he was sitting in the pocket. And what he showed us with the George Groves fight was that actually he's very durable and he got yeah. this reputation of being a yeah. very durable, unbelievably tough father, DNA of his dad and all that sort of stuff. What we saw when he boxed Liam Smith, and this is a, this is a valid point as well when you go to the Groves fight, so what we saw when he boxed Liam Smith was that he got hit and he got tagged, but the punch resistance wasn't there. Well, that's the point. And I think that they're making 160 now, forget 157, and I think that's why we're all so annoyed about that whole situation. He was he was in danger of his life there. 160, if the punch resistance is not there, he's going to be made to pay for it. And I think that's the whole thing circulating with this. Will he hit weight? Will, won't he hit weight, etc. Because I think his days at 160 are coming quite close to being over. Yeah, when we thought that last time, didn't we? I think all of us departed well, I think the that, arena. I think that's why it became evident, didn't yeah. it? I think when we all departed the arena, said, if he fights at 160 yeah. again, he's going to get beat again. He needs to be fighting at 168. Yeah. Um, and if he fights at 160 again, the same outcome's going to happen. What do you think the thinking is? I mean, obviously we had this, I look back on it, and it's not self-aggrandizing, but the interview that we did with Chris Eubank mm. Jr., that some, Chris Eubank Sr., sorry, that some people felt was an inappropriate interview. I looked at it the other day and listened to it again, and it was a brilliant insight, so. brilliant yeah. insight into Eubank Sr., but it was also a brilliant insight into what he feels is going wrong with his son. And, 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 and the more I listen son, to yeah. it, the more I listen to Chris Eubank Sr., the more brilliant that interview was, yeah. because he talks about if you don't learn, if you if you don't listen, you're going to feel the pain. Do you know right? what it is? And that was what you said there. If you don't listen, you're going to feel the pain. If you don't listen to a Chris Eubank Senior interview properly and focus right on it, because he'll start somewhere and someone will say, how's he ended up there? But he always ends up in a fish. It takes you, like, he's very clever in what he says. Because he's talking riddles, about what he knows. But he's, but yeah, but he's, he's talking about what he imparted, because I've been there and he called all the PE teachers around, Chris Eubank Jr., all the people around him called them PE teachers. Yeah. And he talked about the experiences he had and the lessons that he learned and how he was obedient and how Ronnie Davis was his trainer and how he learned to do things in a certain way. Yeah. And he talked about the challenges that Eubank junior has because he's not got the right people around him and not sure. by having the right people around him then he's going to learn through the pain my question is he took roy jones junior on as his trainer it's a sweeping statement that um that senior has made about the people he's got around him yeah. has he in some way fixed that I, by I, bringing bomack into the equation 100 uh, what what he done with roy jones junior well i think roy's done a great job with with chris you know through lockdown etc but i think that he tried to emulate what Roy does too much. He tried to be Roy Jones Jr. And what he was doing was throwing these flashy punches coming out. And this is another main concern for me, and I'm going to pull it out there now with Eubanks, even training with Bomac. And Bomac, to his credit, was pulling him up on this. I watched that um, gloves are off thing or behind the ropes. I watched behind the ropes. It's worth having a look at where you see 
you go inside the training camps and Eubank doing this, throwing his jab, bringing it back down to his waist, susceptible to the right hand. Yeah. And Liam Smith was talking about the right hand's going to be the, the shot that does it this time. Eubank can't switch off and bring his left hand down low. He's got to touch it back up and then come down low. And I think that that's what Bomac's been working on. You know, the Roy Jones stuff was all about the low, low hand. So they understand what he needs to do. Whether he can do that and adapt to it, is it, that remains to be seen. But I think Bomac and his team are good for Eubank Jr., definitely. Liam Smith got to do anything different? Liam Smith hasn't got, he's got nothing to do anything at all. No, no. Nothing Liam at all. Come on, let's, let's, just, let's compartmentalise it for a second. Yep. Liam Smith would have never walked into that fight no, thinking he was going to ping him out in four rounds. No, but would he? Th what I'm saying is Liam Smith's game plan is going to be hold your hands up high, draw Chris into the pocket, because that's where I'm going to get my success. Yes, Chris was doing well in the third round with the uppercuts and whatnot, mm -hmm. but what Liam's hoping for here, and what Bomac was talking about in the training, actually, and he, he had to remind him a few times of, if Chris switches off for a split second, which he does, yep. that's his, that's one of his weaknesses. That's your trigger. Smith, there's your trigger. So Smith's going to be working on that. Do what you do best, mate, because what Liam Smith is very good at is, he, he's very good at offense when he's under pressure. Mm. As in, he'll wait. As soon as you make throws his shots, he comes back so quick. And that's where, that's the moment where the fight can be won. That's the moment where the fight was won and lost last time. So how do you see this fight playing out? I see this fight playing out is Eubank's going to be more focused. He's going to be he's going to be working around the perimeter of the ring. The aggressor's going to be Smith, but Eubanks is not going to have those moments, lapses of concentration. I think Smith still wins a fight, but like yourself, I think you agree with me on this one. I think it's a twelve round fight, mm. and I just think that Smith's work rate will nick will, will win him. It's pretty much the way that I see the first one going, but the first one went the way that it did. I think Eubanks will do a better job this time. Yeah. But I still think Smith will win. See, I'm, I'm a, I, I was very much in the first fight picking Liam Smith. And I think there was an element of heart overhead yeah. because I've not warmed to Chris Eubank Jr. because of the nature of the fact that I think there's too much braggadocy yeah. about what he's got and what he's earned rather than what he's achieved. I've warmed to him much more. I've warmed to him much more as a result of listening to his father. And I think as a showman, he is unbelievable to have got himself in a position to have been paid the way he's been paid to get the recognition to be as box office as he is Chris Eubank uh, Jr. Yeah. without necessarily the body of work and it's fascinating to hear Eubank Sr. talk about the the, the IBO belt sure. and the fact that he believed that Chris Eubank uh, Jr. should be making more with the fact he's an IBO champion yeah. because when he was a WBO champion everyone peed it all over that right? Yeah, right. so it was interesting to see that I think there's a I think there's real jeopardy in this fight for Liam Smith I think really? you asked me on the weekend okay. what my opinions were. How do you think this fight's going to go with De Bruyne? I said, let me, let me answer that after the first round. Yeah, sure. I'm not going to call this fight until after the first round. I will see him at the weigh-in and you'll get all the sort of spectacle that you'll yeah. see there. And obviously when we saw Kel Brook fighting Amir Khan, we knew at that yeah, weigh-in. Yeah. We knew that Amir Khan, oh, no, he doesn't look right. And Kel yeah. Brook looks bang yeah, on. Sure. And the outcome was the outcome. So now you want to judge on what they weight's coming at. Yeah. I, I know there's so many surrounding yeah. factors to this. Like, like I say to you, you just asked me there and we are... I've got a sneak feeling that Eubank's going to be very different. We're a week very out. Different. Just, we're five days out or so. I'm just saying how I think that it'll be a closer yeah. fight. It will go points, Liam Smith. But there's so many factors in this week. I want to see him at the weigh-in. I want to see him. At, yeah. um, so I want to see him at the open. And world this is house. the intrigue. Yeah, absolutely. This is the and intrigue. I, I think it's fight. a pick and fight. I do. I think the margins are there. And I think again, if what if if that was a moment in time 
with a lack of resistance for them, yeah. those punches and that resistance that, that, that resistance is back again yeah I think that it tips back in favor of Chris Eubank nice. Jr so I'm I just got this feeling and the narrative feels to me like a three fight deal um, people get paid a lot of money for having a three fight deal yeah but again it'll be based upon what Chris I think it's a, as much about what Chris Eubank Jr. turns up. We know what Liam Smith is going to turn up. We know that, I know there's distractions perhaps in, in Liam's mind and uh, other stuff outside the ring, but he'll be ready for this fight. Do you think it's a must-win fight for both of these guys? Oh, for Eubank Jr., yeah. What about Smith? Well, he's beaten Eubank Jr. once. Yeah, but I'm so, saying, yeah, so if he loses, I'm so saying... So he's, just, he's, that, he's decided that, to take a rematch. The reason I ask you that, yeah, but the reason I ask you that question... He decided to take a rematch because he, he could have let him out. their careers and their age, etc., etc. That's why I asked the question. I'm saying as in about the rebuilding process and everything else, because ultimately, all these guys want now is a world title fight. That's what they want. That's where they're at in their careers. They're not on that development stage or whatnot. That's why I asked but you... But there was a school... I mean, there was a school of thought... Well, not for Liam, because Liam um, is fighting, you know, a fighter at a slightly bigger weight. Yeah. Right. Then Liam, what would Liam want to fight at? 154? 154, right? So if he fights, if he fights Chris at 160, he's always got that scenario of, I fought fought out a bigger weight. Obviously, I'd like to see Liam going to have another world title shot. Mm -hmm. And there was a discussion point where where everyone thought Eddie Hearn and that crowd were maneuvering Conor Ben back into the equation, but the Conor Ben... Chris Eubank narrative, junior narrative would take over mm-hmm. and that there wouldn't be a call on the rematch and that that would free Liam Smith to go up and fight a world title. Sure. I think if Liam Smith um, loses this fight, does it does it signal the end of him as a, as a, as a championship level fighter? No, I don't think it does because right. I think what will happen is they'll have a third fight with Eubank Jr. and that will single, signal the end of one of them. But if Eubank Jr. loses this fight... Then he's done. Yeah, I yeah. I know you're going to get the carnival of horrors that if Connor eventually gets out from underneath and clears himself, and by the way, Nigel Ben, not on what you said the other day, um, not accurate and not true and not representative. Nobody on this platform, not him, not me, has gone after your son. All they've ever asked for is your son to prove his innocence, yeah. which he hasn't yet done. So if you want to have come and have that debate rather than having it through other people, by all means, come and have that debate. But the bottom line is, is if, if Eubank Junior loses this. Fight. Yes, he can have that fight with Conor Ben, and that will be whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But as far as a, as a high-level, performing, bankable, sellable, marketable fighter, and despite his brilliance in press conferences and the fact that he's an intriguing character, and I've really warmed to Eubank Jr. over the last six months, if he loses Liam Smith again, toast. It's done. Toast, in my view. We will see. Anyway, that's it for this week's episode of Talk Boxing with myself, Simon Jordan and Spencer Oliver. Don't forget to keep liking and subscribing and pay attention to the special Q&A about doping. 